I'm so excited to have my friend and colleague Mel Taylor on the podcast. She is a principal at a school called Mayas International School, and some might know it as Magic Years International School, and the school is shifting names, yet it has kept its core. It's such a lovely school, and the reason why, for many reasons, the reason why I'm having Mel on is because she is a principal, and it's so great to have principals uh, who advocate for multilinguals like the way Mel does. So she has a really beautiful story about uh, the transition of her school and the culture of her school, and I just wanted to share that with her with you. So Mel, all the way from Bangkok, Sawadee Kap, and welcome. Uh, hello, Tan. Thank you for having me. Can you give us a little more about the context of the school and your work there? Sure. Um, so this is my second year uh, working at Myers, and uh, in my first year, I was assistant principal and PYP coordinator, and came in to um, a very different environment to what I'm used to. I've been at big schools uh, for my career, and so then have come to uh, this school that I used to call small, but now I realise that a small or big is not dictated by the number of students. Uh, because the heart of this school is just, it's transformed the way I view international schools and, and what can be accomplished. So uh, this is my first year, finishing my first year as principal. And um, we are a school that starts from one-year-olds. And we are currently uh, going all the way through until grade five. But we will be starting our MYP um, section in the 2022-23 school year. So lots of changes are happening and, and it's exciting. It is a school that's been around for 30 years and started as um, a nursery preschool and it's gradually grown over the 30 years. And uh, the primary years has just really established in the last five to 10 years. Right. The So for listeners, I'm lucky enough to have been on the campus several times. And the best part is that it feels like a small com community, it feels like a small village because you can go and sit at lunch and see all the kids at the same time and all the teachers and all the staff members and have lunch with them. And the kids are playing in the fields with like fifth graders all the way to like third graders playing together in this mixed age group. And I'm like, wow, it feels like a family. It's really magical in so many ways. Um, and of course, Mel, they picked you, uh, such a wise choice to pick you as a, as a, <laughs> a principal because you have been at A-list schools, at Frankfurt International School, at, at the United Nations International School, Hanoi. So these are top, top tier schools. Um, and so you are taking that top tier experiencing it and applying it to your principal role. So would you tell us more about the, the vision that Magic Years International School has for uh, their students in terms of language development? So um, our head of school, Kunum Tampi, has a um, very passionate love of multilingual language learning. Um, and it, it's been something that has taken me a good two years to get my head around and understand um, exactly how it works and the way it works and um, it but I can see that her thinking really allows all students 
to be working from an appreciative model rather than a deficit model. So if they're not English speaking, that is not a deficit. It's, it's a valuable thing and it's something that needs to be celebrated. And it's the responsibility of the school and the teaching staff to find ways to connect with those students in other ways other than just by using English. Um, and she doesn't believe that we should be always speaking in English to the students. So um, we have a 70% Thai population with our student culture and so for that reason all of our co-teachers and specialist teachers are high speaking and that doesn't mean that they can help translate it means that they are providing really rich good models for the home profile language of 70% of our student population so that's been a really big shift for my thinking um, as I've been working with Kanum and seeing how she really is building up um, the profile of our non-English speakers in an English-speaking school rather than the other way. Right, and it's it's such an inclusive model, the way that the vision is. So from the vision, from this inclusive vision, we have implementations. It's very similar to, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a PYP school and they have, all PYP schools have this principle to practice book. And so um, you have taken the, the vision or the principle, and you have uh, turned it into practice. So you're going to be speaking to leaders, uh, school leaders in this podcast. So what would you tell them about creating a culture of inclusion? Yeah, so it, it takes time is the big thing, I think. And the I think it's very easy to say that we're an inclusive school. Um, and I've only worked at schools that say we're an inclusive school. Um, and but what does that mean? And breaking that down with our teachers of what does it mean to be an inclusive school? And and how are we upskilling our teachers to feel empowered that they can meet those needs? Um, and it doesn't mean that you have. It doesn't need to mean that you have this incredible support student support um, um, system program in the school right. with a, a, with learning support teachers and EAL teachers and um, world language teachers. And if you're in a small school, you don't have necessarily the access to those resources. And that's what I've come into. So rather than seeing the school from a deficit model of it doesn't have, rather look at what it does have and then how can we make that work so that we are inclusive for all of our students. And I think that that for me has been a big mind switch is rather than looking at what isn't there because it's a small school, what is there and how can we utilize that and really build it up? And I think that that is where you have been instrumental this year in helping us meet those goals um, a little bit more successfully. I think you're speaking to principals out there because there are a lot of school districts out there who say, this is our funding model. These are the funds we have. And yes, even though we have like 38,000 students, we have this fraction devoted to multilinguals, mm. right? And you're experiencing that the same way. Even though you're at a small school with 30-some kids, it's the problems are still the same. And the issues mm-hmm. are still the same, yet the assets are still the same. So you're really saying, hey, principals, if hey, superintendents, if you have 
a limited amount of resources, what can you do? You first look at what mm-hmm. you already have. And it's very, very similar to language specialists and the way they work with kids. They say, oh, you don't know any English. That's not a problem. You know a lot of Thai. You know a lot of Chinese. You know a lot of uh, Hindi and Punjabi. What can we do mm-hmm. with that? And so you're you're really speaking to the, the philosophy of can do. 100%. I think um, that's something that's really shifting with the PYP as well is that they're looking at it and an appreciative model with the way that they're um, doing the new evaluations with schools. And I think that that really transcends into the way we are working, not only with um, teachers, with their kids, um, but with administration and their teachers and administration and their parents. And, you know, it's it, it really, when you're looking at it from a positive rather than from a deficit, you can really see the possibilities so much more and it doesn't have to come down to money. It comes down to mindset. Yeah, very much so. Right. So let's talk about what did you find when you uh, looked at f- mm-hmm. for a different and you from you looked from a different perspective. Being having strong English speaking staff has always been in my mind what will make a successful um, English speaking program. And so coming here and really it's working in Vietnam beforehand and. Um, really doing a, a co-teaching model in Vietnam where the students weren't pulled out. Um, they were the, the EAL teacher who I had the same EAL teacher that I worked with across both grade levels I was in for the six years that I was there. And it got to the point where we were co-teaching so fluidly that there was never a lesson I was leading or she was leading. We were doing it together and and really meeting not just the the needs of our EAL students, but the needs of our language students, which was 100% of the class. Um, And so that is something that I've brought with me to Myers and then noticed that, okay, so the co-teachers don't need to be fluent English speakers, but what they do need to be is good language models for the students. And those language models are so important. And really that allows our our philosophy of supporting home language to be so supported because we're saying it doesn't matter that the co-teacher is not fluent in English. They are there because they're fluent in Thai and they are working with the students in Thai while the head teacher is working in English. So your child is getting Thai and English at the same time. And I think that that's been a really big learning curve for me and something that I've really I I look forward to the day where I go back into the classroom because I think I will be such a different teacher than what I was when I when I left when it oh. comes to my multilinguist students. Oh, Mel, I know that <laughs> principals want to always go back to their classroom, but if we find a principal like you who is such a strong advocate for language learners, we want you to stay in the leadership role because one decision <laughs> that you make can have such a lasting, significant impact on the lives and the experiences of students. So stay where you are. You have a gift and you need to keep using that gift. Thank um, you. I think you're over over um, <laughs> um, exaggerating. But what I really, what I haven't even said yet is that I am a monolinguist. I lived in Germany for nine years and speak really bad German. And I lived in Vietnam for six years 
and have taxi Vietnamese and I'm living in Thailand for two years and don't really have anything in Thai. So for me, I have been totally intimidated by these students for the past 18 years of my teaching career of, you know, in my first year at, um, in Frankfurt, having a, a Belgium child who spoke six languages fluently in grade five. And really from that moment on realizing that I was, I really was disserviced by being born in an English speaking country because I really don't have that um, confidence or understanding of how to learn another language. So working uh, in a school where all the students are multilingual um, and most of the teachers are multilingual and here I am um, as a monolinguist really trying to to have that empathy and understanding of I, I, I am, I have been turned in thinking that the best language teachers are the multilingual language teachers. So, um, yeah, it's. Well, even though you say that you're monolingual, some would argue that your taxi Vietnamese and your German is still makes you multilingual because you're still communicating in different ways. So even though it's not perfect Vietnamese or perfect German, you're still able to communicate and and interact with people in those cultures. So you are multilingual, Mel. Um, Thank you, Tom. And the other thing I want to say is, I think this is such a good point that you bring up. People who are monolingual, they can still be strong advocates for multilinguals. And I think they can actually be one of the strongest because they, 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 they can stand outside and say, look, we don't, we speak one language. I speak a language, let's say, the monolinguist would say, I only speak one language, but yet I understand and believe in the value of having multiple languages. And so you do that, but you do that at the leadership level. And you you really created a culture where people really believe that. And so I'm very, very impressed. And that, that, that leads to another thing. You talked about <laughs> your shift from saying, oh, I used to believe that uh, really effective uh, instruction required really strong English uh, from teachers and now you understand wait you actually just need really strong educators who also are good language models and what mm -hmm. amazing language models by having Thai co-teachers who have also uh, moved in and out and understand Thai and uh, English and so what a great model mm -hmm. for the kids right yeah I think translanguaging, you've done a lot of work with um, the school this year on translanguaging and strategies to scaffold in the classrooms. And um, I think that that has been a game changer for me in so many ways of um, you don't translate, you incorporate and you use the, um, you gave a description to our parents once where you, said that um sorry i'm quoting you back to you but you had said about weaving a blanket and red is the english and blue is is the tie and at the beginning of their time um at school it will be more blue and they'll be speaking more tie at the beginning and then every once in a while there'll be some red and then as their journey at the school continues the red will start to come in more and more and not ever take over from the blue, but have more of a balance. And I think that that really, that analogy just changed, it blew my mind. And I've quoted it so many times since because 
that's what we want. We don't want the English to replace the Thai. We want the English and the Thai to work together. And I think that that translanguaging model, it works so beautifully because our Thai co-teachers and our English head teachers are giving them that, that weaving. And definitely in our early years, we have one, two, three-year-old classes. And those Thai co-teachers are instrumental in helping our youngest learners really feel home and comfortable in school because they can communicate with them with what they they know from home and it's really hard for our english speaking head teachers to know to feel it's okay for them to sit back in a way at the beginning until the students have that psychological safety to branch out and try and communicate with person that doesn't speak Thai. So it's been a lot of educating our teachers in understanding how our our Thai co-teachers truly are co-teachers. They're not teachers' assistants. And I think that that's a big mind shift for teachers coming into Mayas is seeing those roles and in the ways that they work together. It's not so compartmentalized. I wrote down on my notes, I said, when you elevated multiple languages or when you elevated Thai in particular, you really elevated all of those who speak Thai and particularly the staff members. Would you talk about mm -hmm. an example or two or three examples of when that really, when you saw that happen? You know, we have uh, two head teachers this year who are native Thai. Uh, they are both fluent English, um, internationally educated, but they are from Thailand. And it's really um, so powerful for our school to have head teachers who are native ties because they are the best role model and example to our students of what you can achieve. And going into the grade two classroom and seeing um, every single lesson is um, translanguage. Every single lesson uses translanguaging throughout it all the time and not because the teacher is sitting there and saying okay i'm going to really focus on doing this but because that's just who she is that that's how she operates and at the start of the year for students coming in parents were like we're going to an international school we want an english-speaking head teacher and us saying give it give it time have a look and those parents by october break and really by september were like, wow, thank you. Because those students are flying linguistically. And actually that class has one of our two non-Thai speaking co-teachers in there. So you have got an English speaking co-teacher with a, with a bilingual Thai head teacher. And then the other one is in our two-year-old class, we have um, also have a bilingual Thai English head teacher and that's so powerful as well for for parents to see that model for kids to see that model it, it's that's for me uh, it would be be great for it's great for the school but great for the community right i remember when i worked with several of your teachers who are head teachers and they're non-thai head teachers but they have a thai co-teacher i saw mm -hmm. their ability to co-teach together so fluidly so effectively mm -hmm. because you really help elevate it high as a language of instruction. 
right? But you also so, partnered it with English. Yeah, so our, our students go to Thai class um, from the age of three. They go for specialist Thai lessons once a week at three-year-olds. Um, and then the four-year-old and five-year-old classes, um, so creativity and service and excellence are our four-year-old and five-year-old classes and they go twice a week to Thai. And then from grade one, from year one, grade one, they go five times a week. But it's it's difficult because they're going to world language class in Thai. But actually, they they because of the co-teachers in the classroom, they're getting Thai all day, every day anyway. And what I loved about when you came in with our school for the year, so you were with us for the year as our consultant, we were very blessed um, for the year. And what I really loved was that when you ran the scaffolding course um, for I think eight, 10 weeks, half of the participants in that were our co-teachers. So our co-teachers were doing that training with you. So it's not just enough for us that they are Thai speakers, they need to have the training of how to support language learning and having that common understanding. And those co-teachers are, they're, they're the foundation for the school. They've been with us a long time. They'll be with us for a long time ahead, hopefully. And they're what are going to help continue um, those those strategies and those um, the methodology that we're, we're striving for. Would you talk about um, the experience of those two Thai teachers who are head teachers? What have they said about the transition or the, the from the vision to practice? Yeah, I when you did. Um, so just to explain that, Tan, you were able to come in and do a parent workshop one evening with us. And we had, I think, 70 percent of our parent population came that night um, and we had all our head teachers and co-teachers with us and they were sitting with their grade level. And you, that was in September, I think. Um, and it was at the very start of the year where our parents were still very apprehensive about having um, a Thai teacher as a head teacher. And you really showcased the abilities of those two teachers. And they were able to stand up and present and share examples from their classrooms. And, but they did it translanguaging where they were weaving and that for me was mind-blowing so the parents must have felt it but they were seeing this this teacher she was standing up and speaking in English and Thai at the same time and at one point I'm thinking am I understanding the Thai or is she speaking in English hang on she's taking so she was going in and out so authentically and I think that that was a shift for getting her parents on board and she is empowered they are empowered it wasn't it's i'm i'm saying she and thinking of two different teachers at the same time but they've been really empowered from that with you this year i think and um and they both have such a passion for learning and a passion for teaching and a passion for language that um yeah it's it's been incredible to see the implications that that's had well, Mel, they are only able to do that to stand in front of a, a, a group of parents and able they're able to do that because you created a culture where, where you elevated all languages and not just English. And I think mm. that's what some that's something that principals can do around the world. If you see your teachers, if they have a sign on the board that says English only, you, we need to help counsel them to take that down and explain why. And I think the fact that you 
you were there, we all witnessed this, these teachers move in and out of Thai and, and, and English in a way that was so beautiful, in a way that is so natural. And you said, you could see the parents, like when she started speaking Thai at certain times, uh, mm -hmm. the parents were like, yes, nodding and nodding. And they would go back, she would go back to English and they were still nodding. And I was like, yes, there, that was the most beautiful demonstration. And I think if I was to work for another school, I would have, I would take that, I would, this would be my lesson from working with Mayas and you, and it's such a blessing, that during family workshops, if it's possible to model that translanguaging that we saw so authentically, right? Because then mm -hmm. parents will be on board because they do it naturally and their kids do it naturally. I Yeah, you um, had a podcast with Dr. Garcia a few, few weeks ago. And that for me, I was so glad that I was able to listen to that after the year that we've had with you because she said something um students are, are a lot more than just english learners so give them the opportunity to act with what they have not with what they are lacking and i think that that's the same with our parents our parents are coming with their own experiences and their own baggage and we we can't we've just got to listen and i think that that's so much of um what's happened this year and and with you coming in and and working with them and um working with our teachers and our teachers feeling empowered to meet the needs i haven't heard the um we always want more resources and we always want more support but i i haven't heard the teachers saying that they need eal help like they were 12 months ago and the only thing that has changed is the professional development of really putting that time in to you building up um, and empowering all of our teachers to be true language learners. And my thing, I'm just thinking now off the top of my head, is have we always been true language learners or are we, have we been pigeonholed into being English teachers? And I think that there's a very big difference with that. And, and an example of that at the end of the year, Tan, is that we changed our report cards to say, they no longer say English as one of the subject areas they're saying literacy because it's not just we're not just teaching English we're teaching language and I think that that's been a really big shift oh I'm getting chills because when you're when you understand these shifts you put them into practice and Mel you've really put them into practice and then your teachers feel empowered to put these into practices as well and then your kids live it and so it's mm. so, so powerful. I'm just so honored to see the transition, um, you taking it from vision to practice. Do you want to say Thank something? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's all about the team as well, right? Like Kunum has um, had this vision for 30 years of what she wants language learning to look like. Um, mm. And I think the team, this is the first year we've had a full-time PYP coordinator and she's able to meet with the teachers on a weekly basis. And, and that has enabled her to really, you know, she's been with you through all the training this year. And then she's been able to keep referring them back to strategies and referring them back to the vision and, and keeping that alive. And, and then you coming in and, you know, the best thing was having you come in for the whole year rather than just as a workshop because you've really been able to embed that training throughout the year and have them reflect with you all the way through. And I think that that, that was a really important aspect 
to it as well. I'm honored to uh, have partnered with Mayas. And so this is not a plug to hire me for your career. <laughs> what, what I think Mel is really saying is we need, the research shows us that we need continuous job embedded professional learning throughout the year. And these like eight hour, one day workshops do not work. And so if you, mm-hmm. if you can't afford to have a consultant uh, be in-house, then what you can do is have multiple book studies throughout the year, right? Mm-hmm. The best part is you can also have just teachers watch each other teach and then share how they're doing it, how they're working on it. So I would have several teachers go into those two Thai head teachers classes to watch. And then I would have the other um, co-teachers go watch co-teachers who are in Thai, who are, who are, who are teaching in this way. And like, that is a resource right there. I think there's a quote that says the smartest person in the room is the room. And it, and that's mm-hmm. what you've really, really helped uh, create. You said, we don't have a lot of resources, but we have each other. And when we have each other, we have enough. Right? And that's a real shift for teachers as well. I think, and I'm guilty of this as well. I loved going on workshops and loved going um, and doing things, you know, international teaching is a true privilege in so many ways. And I think that shifting our culture of of international teaching to go back to more of a, a local um, viewpoint through PD of what do we have and how can we celebrate that? And we do have so much in our teaching staff that we don't have to be um, sending out all the time. Yes. We can be doing it from within so much. That that really, I think you're one of the schools that really embodies what John Hattie says about collective. Yeah, so evidence. Hattie. <laughs> you're gonna say that um yeah really embody collective teacher advocacy because now you said that we don't really need a a language specialist also because you don't have the 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 budget is very limited but you've really tapped tapped on something um in the field called sheltered instruction where you where you said everyone is a language specialist everyone is a teacher of language and the thai teachers are also a teacher of language because they have literacy in their home language yeah, and I think it was Mian that said that the most valuable resource that all teachers have is, is, is each other. Um, and I'm so glad you were able to be a part of it, but we had our teachers at the end of the school year a few weeks ago. They um, were, we've been distance on distance since April, but it was all via Zoom, unfortunately. But we, the group of teachers and co-teachers that worked with you for um, the scaffolding workshop they broke it down into the strategies and led breakout rooms and really led an incredible hour and a half PD with our teachers on the different strategies for scaffolding language instruction. And that just, it just highlighted how powerful that is. And when you are a teacher and you're in working with a colleague and being taught from them, you get so much because you can connect because it's coming from the real world of your current school. Um, so they don't have to think about how they can adapt it to fit with where they are going home to because they are at home. And I think that, that that's really important. Right. And then if they need help, they can go right down the hall next door to say, hey, how did you do yeah. this again? Right. And so I think you're speaking to the concept of job embedded professional learning. Like it's mm-hmm. it's connected to their job and it's within the school that they're working in. And it's not just a workshop far away. So um, I, I applaud you for having that vision of saying, okay, 
long term how can we make it long term so and now they're teaching each other yeah so uh is there anything else before i end the podcast that you want to share about your experience and your process no i just i just wish that i could turn back time and be a better teacher to all my previous eal students um i definitely remember a time where i did say english only in the classroom i'm happy to say it was over 10 years ago but but i just wish i'd never said it um but i i just think we should be embracing these kids who are multilingual and really and for you know as an adult monolinguist really promote our our english speaking students to learn another language like the 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 opportunities and the value of being a multilingual adult can't be underestimated and i think that um there is a certain level of ego attached to being an english an english speaker that should be replaced with the ego that the highlight being passed over to being multilingual rather than an english speaker because being an english speaker only is definitely a deficit later on so how do we do that with our students um and that's just my thinking that's not <laughs> that's that's just reflective thinking on my part i think well mel i you've once said after listening to my podcast after after listening to dr cofilia garcia's podcast you said oh <laughs> i just wish she would have gone on for more and more I think that there are teachers out there and there are leaders out there who are listening to this podcast. They're going to say two things. They're going to say, hey, principal, can you please listen to this podcast? Because this principal did this for her school and their situation is very similar to ours, though we don't have the same demographics. This, the, the limits of budget restraints are the same. Mm. And yet that's not mm -hmm. the same. The second person uh, who's going to listen is probably the leaders and they're going to say, Oh my goodness, Mel, I wish I wish you would have kept on going because I could have listened for another hour. And so if you need help, Mel is online. She's in Twitter and you can go and ask her what was your process? And she will. She's such a gracious and uh, kind sharing person. So she would love to share with you as well. So, Mel, uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Let's end with thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's end with traffic light teaching, red light, yellow light, and green light. Uh, red light is something you should ask teachers to stop doing. Okay. Um, and yellow is something that you uh, ask teachers to start doing, kind of like when you see a yellow light, you kind of start slowing down. And then green light is something that you ask teachers to keep doing as much as possible, or principles. Okay. Really. So if I'm looking at it through a leadership perspective, um, stop looking at what we don't have uh, and look at what we do have more and more. Um, this is a journey for me to do that. Um, but I think that this year has really proven how much we can do with what we already have and really make that the hero. Um, yellow light, I just and blessed to work at a school with such a growth mindset community of teachers. Um, and I just want them to, to really get into classrooms more this year. I know that that's a, an aim for us as a leadership team is 
to have doors open more and have teachers in and out of each other's classrooms to learn. And that's something that I think we really want to focus on on this year. The other thing for Yellow is definitely that we want to really hone in and focus on one and really champion that as our goal for the year rather than trying to do too much. Um, and uh, green lights continue to support and empower our teachers to be multilingual, multilinguist language teachers. Um, and that will be us continuing what we have started with um, our work on translanguaging this year and, and not letting it go just because the year's over, but really continuing to have that as a focus and um, building upon what we have started. And the other thing to continue is the parent education to make sure that our parents are on that journey with us. And we have that transparency so that they understand truly what the vision is when it comes to language learning in the school. Now you have inspired us all, particularly the leaders who are listening to this podcast. I'm sure they're gonna say, wow, if she can do it in her the circumstances that she finds herself, we can do it in ours. So you have, uh, you said you there are language models. You've, you've really modeled a leadership model for, for teachers out there. So thank you. Thank you, Tom. Before we recap this episode, I have a favor and an invitation. My favor is to ask you to please review this podcast if you found it valuable so that teachers like you become inspired and informed in their advocacy work. My invitation is for you to enroll in my scaffolding learning or teacher collaboration courses. I've taken the principles that I've learned from experts in the field I've applied them to my classes. I kept the things that work and I'm sharing all of them in these courses. I hope you consider enrolling. Now onto our recap. Principals play an influential role in the lives of multilingual students, multilingual families, and multilingual staff members. Mel's story is everyone's story. Just like Mel did, we can work within our context to bring about change. Part of the answer is first having a leader who is aware of and committed to providing an equitable learning experience for multilinguals. If you have a school leader like that, you're halfway there. The other half are teachers. You don't need an expert to come in and do workshops at your school. The expertise is already in your faculty. What you can do is have teachers share their practices with each other on a regular basis. To add in the research, you can host year-long book studies where teachers come together to talk about ideas and frameworks and how they're implemented in their own practice. Even if your principal is prioritizing other things, you can still talk about books together and collaborate together to share these practices. It'll reinforce things they're already doing and inspire them to consider other alternatives. In the next episode, we talk to Eowyn Crisfield about bilingualism. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode.